Hello, Art Supply Posse. It's Kim. I'm excited to bring you this episode because this one is our 100th episode. I feel like I should be wearing a party hat and like drinking a glass of champagne to celebrate because it's a really cool milestone to to reach 100 episodes. Marcus and I are proud of the work we've done over the last, I think it's 50 episodes perhaps, uh, bringing you conversations with amazing artists, makers, uh, some retailers as well, and also talking to users of art supplies. When it came time to decide who to speak with for the 100th episode, there was an immediate, obvious answer. Our guest today is an artist, a business owner, a brand new teacher, which is incredibly exciting, a lover and a champion of art supplies and their use, but also the reason this podcast exists. She began Art Supply Posse when she saw there was a need for a place to talk art supplies. And it is my hope that with each episode, we do her legacy proud. Welcome back to the Posse, Anna Reinhardt. Hello. Hello, Art Supply Posse. (laughs) So nice to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. (laughs) It's great. It is great to hear your voice again. I'm sure long-time listeners will be thrilled with this. But on the off chance there is someone who is only new to the posse, maybe you've only listened to the first few episodes and haven't gone to the back catalogue and done that deep dive that I know some of us do when they find a new podcast. Maybe it might be a good idea to just let the listeners know, you know, maybe why you started the podcast, who who you are, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, I can give a little bit of a backstory. I won't won't talk too long so I don't bore anyone who uh, knows who I am and where I come from. (laughs) Um, But the... Um, sort of the genesis of Art Supply Posse came after many years of doing um, a blog called The Well-Appointed Desk, which was all about um, stationery and writing about pens and ink and notebooks and things like that in a way that probably a lot of other people are familiar with. There's quite a few blogs out there that do that already. And because I also have a passion and a background in art and design, I noticed sort of an absence in anything that really did the same thing, both in the podcast world and in the blog world uh, for art supplies. Mm -hmm. And so with the help of Heather Rivard, we started Art Supply Posse and I made it about, was it 25 episodes (laughs) before I realized I had taken on way too many challenges all at once. And um, so I had to step down. Heather continued on um, and made it another 25 episodes before she had to bail out. She moved. She got married. There's so many other things that happened in her life as well. And thankfully, um, Kim and Marcus and the help of other people picked up the, uh, the baton, as it were, and have continued on and taken Art Supply Posse in new directions and taken it across the pond and across mm-hmm. the world and brought a very different um, perspective and new people and new ideas to what we started, which I think is really great. And um, introduced the um, the online forum community. So I think you guys have brought so much to it that I could never have done on my own. 
Thank you. I, I, it, it's lovely to, to hear that. Such a lovely compliment. Um, it is something I just love doing. I think I love talking to people about whatever their passion is. Like even if it's something I have no interest in at all, ever trying, there's just something about hearing from someone who is passionate about whatever it is that, you know, whether it's art supplies or even not, to be honest with you, like this for me carries over outside of this podcast. I just love hearing from people who love what they do, whether it's a job, like a full-time job or whether it's just a, you know, whether it's a part-time thing or it's just their hobby. But there's just something, I'm not sure what it is exactly, but I just love it. Like I love hearing from people about their thing. It's just something really cool about that. And it's nice to share that with people, like, because I think to an extent it might even help someone find their passion too, which is really exciting because we do occasionally hear from listeners who've said, I've picked up a brush or I've gone back to something I did 10 years ago because I heard someone talk on the pod about their thing and remembered that I liked it too. And there's something really cool about that, I think. That's awesome. So I thought, and I don't want to usurp what you had in mind for the show, but I (laughs) thought that being the former host and you being the current host, mm-hmm. I could turn the tables on you a little bit because no one has ever really interviewed, interviewed you. No, they haven't. <laughs> so I thought I would take this opportunity to help the listeners get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Far so, away. Let's, let's, why not? Let's do that. <laughs> okay. So my first question, what made you decide to take up the reins? I actually didn't really put much thought into it, to be honest with you. It was like there was the need became apparent and I'm like, I could probably have a go at doing that because I did study, not that I do it do it for a living, but I studied journalism, it at, at was, at, was my degree at university and I've always been curious about people and why they do what they do and I thought oh, I'm comfortable talking to people um especially let's be honest this is lovely that the podcast has no video so no one needs to look at me so I don't have to worry about that kind of thing (laughs) um so it was like yeah I'm, I'm actually happy to talk to people and people that I don't know that doesn't bother me you know like reaching out to someone and saying hey I saw your thing that you do and we'd like to chat or we'd like to speak to you about it would you be interested so I didn't actually put a great deal of thought into it. I just sort of thought I could try this. And That's awesome. Yeah, and after the first first recording I made, which was with Liz Steele, uh, if you don't know her, she's, oh, well, I know oh, you. Do, no, I know who she is. Listeners <laughs> might not know her. She's some of them anyway. I doubt it, but, you know, you never know. Um, Australian uh, artist, uh, urban sketcher, just, just beautiful, amazing work. And to be honest with you, just before we started recording, I suddenly got really nervous. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is Liz Steele. She's a big deal. I'm not, do you know what I mean? It was like I've never done, like it was just so kind of scary. But then once we started talking, she was lovely. She's just a, you know, a normal everyday human being who's really good at the things she does. And I was like, this is great. I can do this. So it just was this, yeah, just one of those things. And it's just, I really enjoy doing it. And I look forward to when I've got a, uh, a recording scheduled, I look forward to it. Like I really enjoy it. And I just love, I love talking to people about what it is that they do. That's awesome. So if you could interview any artist or illustrator or craftsperson, who would it be? 
oh, do they need to be alive or dead? Can I ask that? <laughs> I think I think it's hey, it's your question. Oh, um, that's a tough one. Oh, to be honest with you, if it was somebody that was, if it's a person that is alive. I would actually skew it to a photographer, which is not the point of the podcast, but photography is my first love. So my my gut reaction is to speak to a photographer, somebody like Martin Bailey. I really, really admire his work. Um, or um, probably actually I think it would be him. There's a couple of others that I can kind of think of but I think I, his work is just to me it's just visually stunning and it's not the kind of work I actually do but I just love it for what it is um but I really should pick an actual artist shouldn't I not a photographer um I think photographers would be offended not being called artists yeah true that's a good point yeah that is a very good point you make there <laughs> um if I was to think of somebody that was dead like if I could jump in a in the TARDIS because you know I'm a Doctor Who person so I'm gonna say that um I would go back and I think I would like to talk to Van Gogh I just think it would be really cool just to chat art with him you know um part of me also feels like I should be saying someone female but to be honest with you that's who I would like to speak to I just would love to just chat just learn or even not even that just watch do you know what I mean sometimes you can learn a lot from just watching someone work absolutely he would be amazing Mm. um I'd just be curious to find out if he really was as like people you said he was kind of kooky and like you know he ate too much lead paint (laughs) yeah yeah it would be fascinating to find out how much of that is myth and how much of it is 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 actually the truth Um, absolutely yeah yeah so what's your art story how did you get started I don't remember a time when I haven't well no there was a period it was a chunk of time when um I didn't do anything art related which was I have I think mentioned it a couple of times in a couple of episodes um I used to have depression I currently have anxiety and so there was a period during my depression when I didn't do anything artistic at all but I remember uh, from as as early as I could pick up a pencil, I was always drawing, always just doing stuff. I never thought anything of it, like it was just something I loved to do. Um, and conversely with that, as soon as I could, and I, rem- I know I was younger than 10, I don't know how old I was, but I'm, I'm sure I was younger than 10 when I picked up a camera for the first time and I loved it and I love them both. There's just, for me, something about drawing something I see or something that's in my imagination but but then by the same token taking a photograph of something that for whatever reason speaks to me mm-hmm. um, or that I really like and, yeah, just capturing that, whether it's through the camera or on a page. And it's just something I've always done. I've never done any specific training outside of, like, you know, a couple art classes at high school sort of thing. Um so have you found that making art has helped your depression or anxiety at all? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It, in fact, it's probably one of the big um, helpers for me. I do actually, I am medicated for my anxiety, um, but I also I see a psych- psychologist. Um, but the 
drawing particularly is um, very helpful. I have found what I'm actually doing is something I sort of slipped into by accident. It wasn't a, I didn't wake up one morning and go, this is a thing I want to do. But I started um, making art when I had, as I had my breakfast, because I realized when I go on holidays, because breakfast is my favorite meal of the day, aside from dessert, uh, if I could combine the two, which we do sometimes, you know, when we have waffles and pancakes and that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, but when I'm on holiday, I really like to go and take the time to have a really nice breakfast. And I, I, I'm one of those people who will pay not silly amounts, but, you know, I will pay for really nice, good quality food for breakfast because I love it so much. And I take a travel journal with me and generally just sketch whatever it is I can see or, you know, my food maybe and write as well about whatever I've been doing or want to do and that sort of stuff. And I realise that when I do that, when I'm on holiday, how happy I am and how a really nice start to the day it is. So when I actually started to do that every day at home as opposed to only on holidays, I was actually, I took 12 months off so as I could help my husband build our house. We built our own house. Um, and so I, I was doing that, which meant I didn't have that rush, you know, you have in the morning where you wake up and you get ready for work and you eat and you've got to be out the door by a certain time. I didn't have that, which meant my morning was a lot easier to slide into so I had more time to eat my breakfast and actually slowly ease into the day uh, so I just started drawing and um, loved it really enjoyed it and I was like this is a good way to start the day like it just um, it set me up for a really good day and that didn't I mean it didn't doesn't still doesn't stop negative things from happening perhaps or you know sometimes my anxiety just gets the better of me and that's just that but I am certain that doing that starting up my day that way certainly helps me start the day with a much better intention a much clearer mind um, I actually walk my dogs first we go for a walk every morning and then I come home and make breakfast and sit down and draw now Five days a week, I work five days a week, so I'm not drawing for very long. Some mornings I've only got literally got five minutes. But it's also amazing what you can get done in a short space of time. Like that's actually surprised me. I think I've learned to draw quicker and also to be less concerned with perfection. And I know that's a really important thing for me is to let go of trying to be perfect all the time and just accept whatever it is that I'm doing is not necessarily going to be perfect, but it's still a thing I've done, you know, that morning. And then I often find that the like later on after work or whatever, I'll go back to whatever I started because I just want to get it finished or I want to keep going or I want to expand it further. And I know doing that um, certainly does help with my anxiety. I, I will, um, I have learnt over time that if I have had a anxiety attack, once I am coming down from that, for one of a better description but that's just my description because that's kind of what it feels <laughs> like um if I can get a pencil and a pad and just sit and just even honestly just make lines like it doesn't even have to be a particular thing that it helps to calm my mind but also likewise if I can pick up the camera and even if I'm just taking photos of my dogs which I have an awful lot of photos of my dogs <laughs> um I think most of us animal lovers tend to do that 
I know that also helps my mind too. And I think that's been a really big thing is learning what helps after after an, a panic attack, an anxiety attack, like learning how to sort of reset my mind again. And I know drawing helps and photography helps enormously. In some ways they're kind of meditative. I think that's probably part of it. It's kind of like doing a little meditation. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think it is a good way to calm calm the mind. Actually, um, I think today in Austin Cleon's newsletter, he talked about how he was feeling kind of stressed out and a little anxious. And um, he sat down on his back porch and just drew um, some cactus that were potted in some, like sitting on his porch and how just doing that for five minutes made him calm down and feel more at ease, like more in his own mind and less kind of that feeling where like everything feels outside of your body and sort of out of control. It sort of just centered him and made him feel to your point, like a little meditative and just sort of like centering and feeling just a little more complete, a little more whole. Yeah. It's I'm hearing from a lot of people right now that identify as being creative, how much they're finding this pandemic really impacting their creativity. Um, I think people are tending to go one of two ways. They're either their output is just increased or conversely it's just shrunk down to nothing. And yeah. that's been what How, I've been doing and that's hard. Has um, it increased or decreased for you? Mostly it's decreased. Uh, I have still I'm still maintaining my my morning ritual although mm-hmm. to be honest with you actually know what you know what I think my drawing has increased and my photography has decreased and I think part of it has been I'm I'm not sure what it is about this pandemic that that's making me question my abilities but it certainly has been and I know I've, I'm in a couple of discord groups uh, and people are finding the same thing so it's been learning to just accept that that's just what it is at the minute and then going with it. So I, I'm definitely not taking as many photographs, although I'm doing a lot more, I don't know if research, research I guess, as in, you know, um, I just bought a photo book recently and I'm learning more about other photographers and their work, which is a nice thing to do because it at least keeps you still in that world. But I know I'm definitely picking up um, a pencil or, or a pen or whatever and I'm certainly drawing a lot more than I was. I would say that if I compared my, compared like today to this time last year, I'm definitely drawing a lot more. So it's That's weird. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's Has it, and I mean, I think, I mean, doing more research and kind of investigating the history of photography is probably a good way to sort of maybe fill your well your creative well in regards to photography while, you know, I mean, because I think a lot of people in regards to like a personal photo habit are inspired by travel, whether Mm -hmm. that's traveling across town or, you know, or across the country or across the world. And so with the pandemic, so few people are really moving outside of their house or their yard that um, maybe you're just, not see not seeing with fresh eyes and I think that's why travel is always so inspiring for photographers is because you're seeing the world with fresh eyes you're seeing places you've never seen before so everything is new and fresh and different so a lot of probably 
making making your current environment feel new and fresh and different may just be a matter of moving the furniture around or I don't know, changing the drapery or something yeah, so that it feels different. So <laughs> I've just been looking at a few things and going, mm, I'm going to move you around. We need to change things around. And I'm actually also a, a lover of indoor plants. So I've also just gone through the thing of moving them to new spots, which kind of makes the whole plate, you know, it, it doesn't sound like much, but it is enough to make you go, oh, look, it looks different because it's now there and it's changing up the way of something feels. So, yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> it changes the way the light comes in. And also you've mm-hmm. been going through your winter, which you're, yes. you've had shorter days and yes. Yes. less light. And it's hard to be inspired as a photographer without as much yep. light when everything is gray and there's no shadow and light to play with. Um, yeah. Especially when I've woken up and it like work days and I'm like, oh, it looks like a beautiful day this afternoon or tonight when I get home, I can, you know, play with this thing and photograph that. And then by the end of the day, the weather's turned nasty and you're just like, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Never mind. It's cold and it's gross. Forget it. That too. Mm-hmm. So, um, so my next question, which is one of the questions that you frequently ask other people is what mm-hmm. art supply is languishing in your, on your shelf or in your drawers? <laughs> Uh, okay, so I have got a set of oil pastels that I have maybe scribbled with twice. There's just they come as a I did a um I did a course on interior decorating a good long while ago, more than ten years ago, probably like fifteen years ago. And your course materials, of course, included a few bits and pieces, and they were part of it. And I don't know what it is about them. I just don't feel inclined to figure out how to use them. I should. I know I should, but I just probably because I've never actually had experience with them. Do you know what I mean? And so it's one of them things I'm like, "Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about them. I always think of oil pastels as messy crayons. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly right. I think if you, if you, they they definitely feel best if they're used on large larger canvases materials like whether it's just a large piece of paper or mm. a larger sketchbook or something but like they're i've never found that they're as much fun to mm-hmm. use if you use them in a small like a5 size sketchbook or anything like that like then they're just messy and they're no fun. Yeah. Well, I, prefer, I actually prefer to work small, generally speaking. Um, the largest like day-to-day sketchbook that I have is an A4 size and even sometimes I'm like, mm, this is too big. So that's probably part of the problem. I've probably tried to use them in a little, a much smaller sketchbook and just gone, no, you're not working for me. No, uh, I think so this, is the, this is the excuse to go get like a big piece of um, post, like like big piece of paper and and like like draw like a kid like just yeah maybe that's what I need to do (laughs) go to town on it and like those patterns that you said you like to draw just like lines and dots and dashes just with lots of color and just try that on a big piece of paper and just yeah I think the one thing the one thing I've definitely taken away from speaking to so many people about their art is just giving it a try 
does not hurt. The world won't stop revolving if I try something and mess it up completely. And so I think you're right. I think I need to get a really big piece of paper and just go crazy. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, well, so be it. And if it does, hey, I might have a piece of art I can hang on the wall. You never know. Yeah. Or you've just had a really good time. Like if you just made a big mess and you're like, well, that didn't actually make anything pretty, but it sure felt good. It felt good to get my hands all dirty, you know, like when kids play with finger paints, you know, and they get all messy and they make a huge mess and it looks like mud when they're done. And you're like, what did you make? And they're like, I don't know, but I'm covered in paint. And you're like, okay, that's cool. That's exactly right. So Um, this is just your excuse to get covered in oil pastel. And the other thing is that they are kind of, they're kind of opaque. So even if you have big sheets of colored paper, like craft paper, the color will mm-hmm. pop off of that. And that might look really cool too. That's true. That is true. So that might mean yeah. I might need like to even an old, like an old shopping bag, like a craft paper colored yeah. grocery bag or something. Oh, yeah. You could just cut yeah. that up into pieces and draw on that. Then, then it's like really not, you didn't spend any money. You just used <laughs> an old grocery bag. Yeah. Which we like to do. We like to just use stuff we've already got. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. So that's the first thing. I'm just trying to think what else I've got that I haven't used without actually physically getting up and looking. (laughs) I know I've got, I have got a set of Windsor and Newton gouache, and I'll probably pronounce that wrong, but that's just the world it is as it is, which I don't use enough. I haven't used it enough. They're fancy, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're fancy, and I'm intimidated by them. So I'm like, I just use a tiny little bit here on this little thing, and I'm like, this is probably very stupid. I should really use them, but you know, they're fancy. <laughs> well, eventually, here's a here's the secret with gouache is that eventually, it's going to dry up in the tube. It yeah, may not do yeah. it this year or five years from now, but eventually, it dries mm. up in the tube. So you might as well use it. That is a good point you make. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> no matter how expensive it is, eventually it's just going to dry up in the tube and then someone's going to throw it away just because it's all dry and crusty. And Yeah, and then it's a real waste, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a way to get it out of the tube and stuff, but most people don't do that. They just throw it away. So you might as well use it while you still can. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point you make. <laughs> it's a very good point you make. Uh, so I've I'm just convinced just... you to use all the supplies that, that you've been yeah. just letting lay around. Yes, you have. Yes, yes. I am now. I now know what I'm going to do creatively for the next little while. Anyways, uh, use this stuff. <laughs> Sounds like fun. It does. Well, those were my questions for you. Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk a little bit about where you're at at the moment, artistically speaking? Uh sure. Or, or even, even if you prefer, like. Business-wise, where the well-appointed desk is going, if you want to share that, of course, you don't necessarily have to. Do you actually sort of plan where you're going with the desk and in terms of, you know, new products and stuff like that, or does it come as you sort of feel a need for it? Okay, I'm going to have to dial this back a little bit. Yeah. Go back and start this from the beginning. Um, Absolutely. For a very long time, I worked for a very large greeting card company that's located here in Kansas City. Yes. In March, I was laid off after 19 years. And 
while I was working there, they had some fairly stringent policies about the creative staff and what kinds of product you could make for yourself outside Mm -hmm. of So it limited to a huge extent the kinds of things that I could make and sell on our shop site. Mm -hmm. So upon my release from that (laughs) contractual agreement, I have since been able to start adding or at least thinking about adding a wider range of products to the site. So um, that's what we've been doing. But prior to that, I had to be very cautious. And that might, to, to some people, explain why there weren't certain types of products on the site for a very long time, or on the shop for a very long time. Yeah. They might be something that would have been sold at the other place. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see the expansion, though. I have, I have been watching it. When- Actually, with a little bit of pride, to be honest with you, it's been like, this is great. Okay, so it is always scary when you lose a job, particularly one you've had for so long, but it's been amazing to see you take take the shop to the next level and just slowly build it up. It is fantastic because it makes sense. And as, as you say, you couldn't do it before. To you know, yeah. to a large extent, but now that you can, it's fantastic, and it seems that everything is being well received as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we've we've done you know, and we're also you know, we we're at a point now that I can pay closer attention to um, trends that are going on. Like we've always had um, a lot of rubber stamps on the site that were related to um, letter writers and the and the postal service. And this goes back to a personal interest that I've had in this. Well, in the United States, this has actually now become a very big hot button issue (laughs) politically. It just happens that we've always had these products in our shop. Um, My neighbor was a postal worker for years. And so from her, as well as my own personal interest in writing letters, um, we came up with the keep the post office public stamp a long time ago. And my husband was like, nobody's going to buy that. And at the time, not very many people did, (laughs) but there were some like diehard posty loyalists who were letter writers and the letter writers Alliance and some friends that I knew from, you know, like um, artist stamp that actually made like, faux postage and things like that who would buy it and stuff but we really kept it in the shop because it was something that I was that meant something to me and so we just kept it in the shop and occasionally people would buy it and they're like this is really cool glad you have it and now it's like they're flying off the shelf (laughs) and I'm just I just keep waiting I just it'd be it's almost like like a weird like nerd dream to have it like reposted on the US Postal Service website. Just yeah. please. It hasn't happened yet, but that's like, you know. It'll happen. It'll happen. Maybe. <laughs> You've predicted you you're a futurist. That's what they call those people, isn't it? That predict the trends. That you're a futurist. The, so they I think I just got lucky with that one. And it's not like I'm making millions of dollars off of it. I'm making tens of dollars, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> But yeah, so and then since then, you know, we've, you know, we've added some more like with people home for 
the pandemic, there was a real resurgence of letter writing. People were writing letters. They were writing letters to family as well as friends because people weren't able to visit. And so um, we added several more postal-related stamps, which we'd always had, things like good mail and happy mail. And we added one that just says, okay, mail, because sometimes <laughs> that that decorated envelope just didn't turn out quite as nice as you hoped. <laughs> <laughs> which is one that doesn't sell quite as well as the other ones. But yeah. Bob, my husband just, that's his favorite. He thinks the okay mail cause it's got a little thumbs up on it. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, sometimes that's all you need. It's just okay mail. It's better than no mail at all, or it's better than Absolutely. bills. Hey, okay mail is not a bill. Mm-hmm. Correct. <laughs> so, but yeah, so we've added those. And since actually, I think since, the spring, like, well, right at spring was when we added the coloring dipper. Mm-hmm. And that was really came out of how we like to manage um, material within the shop, which is trying not to waste anything if we don't have to. So mm-hmm. the dippers were made out of um, literally the cut end leftovers of the paper that is trimmed down and used to make the color ring um, ink testing book and the um, color decks. So there's just like a little strip that's left over. And we were like, hmm, what can we do with that? (laughs) We're like, that would be like literally walking around the house with these little bits of paper. And I just like, kind of held it over an ink bottle and I'm like, well, would you look at that? That's right in there. Yeah. So. It's a brilliant idea and you are, so by using that waste product, so to speak, then you are helping save the environment in a very small way. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's pre-consumer waste yeah. instead of post-consumer yeah. waste. We're yes, just that's right. Removing yeah. that whole thing. And we've had mm-hmm. people ask about whether the dippers will end up being offered by some of our uh, retailers because we do wholesale the coloring Mm -hmm. and the color decks and they are so labor intensive the dippers (laughs) that they are just not financially viable for us so in order to get them you have to order them through our shop but I know that listeners in Europe and Australia and other places would really like to have them so we may try to figure out a way to work with somebody if they wanted to do a group buy or something, just email me and we'll try to figure something out. But because they're so tiny and shipping is so expensive, it's just, it's a little brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the problem I think is the cost of postage. I have a color ring and I absolutely love it. Like I don't have a huge collection of ink, but um, I had to, had to buy one of course and it's really funny because one day I was I was moving my desk and I'd taken the drawers out and somehow or other I spilt a cup of tea and did not realise at the time that I'd spilt it on my colouring. So half of the pages that are in there have got slight tea stains on the ink and it's actually really fascinating to see what tea does as a not a medium, but it is a medium, like what it's done to yep. the original medium. 
And I'm like, this is actually really cool because some of them have <laughs> bled through to the, like, over the back. Mm-hmm. And I've now got, some of them look like art. And I'm like, I could nearly take these out and, like, put them on the wall. <laughs> it's just fantastic. I love it. I just think it's a great idea for a product. It's just, Thank yeah, you. fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. We've been really happy with how it's worked out and we just got really lucky finding the right paper and getting to market at the right time, you know, yeah. again, like we're not millionaires, <laughs> but you know, and we still like, actually my husband and I hand assemble every single one. Is it is it super intensive to do, or is it more one of those chores that, or not chores, but one of those jobs you can do without a lot of thought once you've done however many hundreds you've done? Um, it's it runs it kind of depending on what part of the process it's in. So mm-hmm. when the cards are being die cut and printed for the covers and things like that, obviously in the shop that requires a good deal of attention. Um, some of the like counting out of the pages and then just the actual assembly process we often do like with a movie on in the background or listening to podcasts in the way that you would do any kind of sort of repetitive task. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Makes it a little bit easier. So, but yeah, so besides the shop and the blog, which we just brought on, we now have a staff of, if my count is correct, five writers at the well-appointed desk. Um, so uh, we brought in Jacqueline Myers uh, this summer. So she's our fifth writer for the blog. So we've got Tina Yokama, who does more art supplies and urban sketching. Um, Jesse uh, Coles, who writes a largely about ink and lots of other things too. Um, myself and then Laura Cameron, who is, we've slotted her as our newbie, but she's been writing for us long enough now. She's not really a newbie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so did I get everybody? I think so. Is that four or five? Uh, four extras, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's everybody. It's exciting. So. Yeah. have a nice team like that. That's really good. Yeah. And we um we like to brag that three three out of five of us are lefties. Yeah. Well, I'm a lefty too, so it's fantastic. We like Perfect. having more. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, of course, uh, since leaving um, my job, I got a position teaching um, graphic design at a local college and... I start on Monday. <laughs> so that'll be my, um, that's my, my next adventure in life. So, mm-hmm. and with the pandemic and everything that's requiring me to not only learn sort of the, all of the intricacies of teaching at a college level, but then also how to teach online um, using zoom and things like that in order to keep everybody safe and healthy and yep. So it's, it's going to be an adventure. This whole thing is life is an adventure, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. It's, it's, um, I do like that you're teaching. I think it's, um, oh, I, I admire teachers so much just, just uh, to bring something 
to somebody, you know, and particularly in this case where it's a creative thing, like I understand the importance of mass and science and everything, don't get me wrong, but to, to impart your take on, because all teachers do, you know, they, they their own take on a thing, but particularly with, it, with something creative like this, uh, you're passing on your knowledge um, I know you've got a curriculum. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure you have a curriculum that you know you have to do X, Y, and Z things. But it comes with your spin on it, and I think it's nice to be able to teach the next generation. Perhaps um, I like it. I'm yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm bummed that I won't be able to be right there with the students mm. and kind of be genuinely hands on. But I'm working out how to do video demonstrations as well so hopefully it will work out and maybe all of that will lend itself to me being comfortable doing more video for the blog and other things I don't know we'll see (laughs) yes and I do feel for those parents that are having to suddenly learn the intricacies of homeschooling that must be tricky to have to do that absolutely I, I take my hat off to them. I couldn't do it, I don't think. <laughs> so that's everything that's going on here. I hope everybody in in Posse land is making art and being creative and weathering everything that's going on in the world through their creative endeavors, listening to podcasts. <laughs> listening to podcasts, probably lots of online shopping of more art supplies, which is good. We can, you know, we're all collectively helping out the postal services by doing that, right? We've got to, we've got to come up with a reason to justify. Absolutely, lots of us are doing, and that's one way of it. We're helping support the uh, the the postal workers. So, yay for online shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? Are you happy with what we've covered, Anna? Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, or are you good with where we're at? I think it's been good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we well, covered everything. Well, I guess we should we should sign off. We should say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for for being our listeners, for interacting with us, for talking to us, emailing us, Instagramming, you know, all those things. Without you guys, we really wouldn't be here. Like personally I get I get something out of every episode because of course I'm learning from everybody. But it's nice to share it with the listeners. So we need our listeners. <laughs> so it's good to have listeners. Um, so we want to thank you for being a listener, whether you've been here from episode one or you just came in at episode 95. Look, it's possible. It's, you know, people find us all the time. So we do want to thank our listeners for, for being the cool, posse listeners that they are. Absolutely. Thanks for hanging in with us. <laughs> definitely and thank you Anna for joining me again I coming back to the posse for this it's been so nice to talk to you and to chat to chat art and art supplies and and why I do what I do <laughs> well thanks for letting me join in in the celebration Kim I really appreciate it and my pleasure I've been so proud of everything you guys have done thank you that's lovely to hear <laughs>